Hello, and welcome to the Salisbury Pediatric Associate Health and Wellness Newsletter. I'm your host, Dr. M, and this week is July 4th, 2022, and this is issue number 29. This is coronavirus update number 65, and we're going to look at long COVID research today and some other stuff. At this time, North Carolina still looks pretty much like the pre-pandemic state with limited disease in the community as far as we can see. Now that doesn't correspond with how many people are actually sick, but that's what it appears to look like. Uh, We're seeing limited COVID disease in kids for weeks now. No significant MIS cases, nobody's been admitted to the hospital for any reason, so children it looks like it's a non-issue. In North Carolina in general, we're ticking up to 6% of admitted patients needing a ventilator and 13% needing an ICU bed for COVID, which is still quite low uh, from the Delta variant stage or other early pre-pandemic stages where people had not been infected previously or not been vaccinated. Seven-day moving average of U.S. cases is roughly 100 to 115,000, but this is vast as an estimate because a lot of home tests. Risk of death is still 0.000033 once vaccinated with a two-dose series or survived natural infection. So this week's podcast is number 23 with Dewey Freeman, and this is part three of the Uncivilized Journey series on men's health. Dewey is a licensed counselor and is the co-founder of the Gestalt Institute Uh, in the Rockies for equine therapy. He also has a private practice in psychotherapy and has 24 years of experience at teaching at Naropa University. And now he has his own creative direction where he's working on something called the Coming Home Project and relational rewilding retreats. For me, Dewey is a dispenser of wisdom for men. He's a specialist in relationship and understanding the breakpoints and blind spots that people have to their relational problems. We go through discussions of connecting with others, consequences versus punishments, living in communication, and general love. I hope you enjoy that conversation. I thought it was a really, really lovely conversation. Some of the questions that were recently asked, uh, should I go back to adding recipes to the newsletter? The 96% said yes, so we will. And are you checking out the song of the week? And roughly half said yes, about 48%. So I'll keep doing that for now. All right, let's get into the variants. Omicron U.S. strains, as of June 25th data, shows that the variants are made up of BA.2 at 6%, BA.4 at 16%, BA.5 at 37%, and B2.12.1 is 42%. The COVID wave is in line with volumes from wave 3, which was the Delta wave, but morbidity is much lower. BA.5 is taking over as the new strain with excellent immune-evading and vaccine-evading skills. It and BA.4 are very contagious. All strains show no signs of increased disease morbidity. The R0 of infectiousness is in the range of measles for this Omicron BA.4 and 5 range strain. That's a lot. Very fast spread rate. The government is now pressing for Omicron strain-specific vaccines for the fall, which makes sense if we want to slow transmission as the current Generation 1 boosters are not very useful. Novavax is going to be in this space as well for those that are uninterested in the mRNA vaccine type. This will be a win for all at-risk individuals moving forward for disease risk as well as post-disease issues and long COVID. Good quality vaccines are a major tool in the long-term fight against disease as we all age. Crickets, number one. 
In another long string of confusing studies reversing earlier data, we see these conclusions published. There are no discernible differences in protection against symptomatic BA.1 and BA.2 infection that were seen with previous infection vaccination and hybrid immunity. Vaccination enhanced protection among persons who had had previous infection. Hybrid immunity resulting from previous infection or recent booster vaccination conferred the strongest protection. This comes to us from Altarwane et al. 2022. The interesting thing about this study was the group cherry-picked the time of testing to maximize the booster benefit by analyzing risk within 45 days of receipt of dose 3. Most people begin waning antibody protection by 8 weeks. They do rightly state in the body of the paper, the analysis of the effectiveness of previous infection, two-dose vaccination, and three-dose vaccination as a function of time since the immunologic event, previous infection vaccination showed rapidly waning vaccine protection after the second or third dose, but slowly waning protection from previous infection. For me, this data speaks again to the reality that current boosters are of limited value and for a very short time. High risk is a must to boost. Newer Omicron-specific vaccines should be much more useful. 2. Paxlovid causes some people to get better and then get sick again in short order testing positive again. To read about this mystery, go to the JAMA article by Rubin, R-U-B-I-N, 2022. I have no commentary on why this occurs. Just strange. Number 3. COVID, like other viruses, is triggering postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, otherwise known as POTS, and changes in infected individuals. Patients diagnosed with COVID and presenting with passing out or nearly so symptoms were evaluated using a tilt table test to show postural low blood pressure changes called hypotension. 23 of the 24 tested subjects had positive signs of orthostatic dysfunction, indicating that the autonomic nervous system has been compromised by SARS-2. These symptoms lasted for months. Patients exhibited cognitive problems, elevated heart rates, and fatigue. Jamal et al., 2022, J-A-M-A-L. It is likely based on emerging data that viral remnants in the gut and other places are triggering these post-acute SARS-like symptoms akin to E. Epstein-Barr viral illness. We are on the front end of the wave of understanding these issues in humans post-COVID and other viral diseases that trigger the same types of symptoms. For more on this topic, listen to Dr. Peter Rowe's podcast that was done earlier this year, or excuse me, in, in the late end of 2021. Number four, long COVID has a cousin model in hamsters. The report noted Results that SARS-CoV-2 exceeded influenza A's ability to damage the lung and the kidney, the olfactory bulb and the epithelial lining. No viral particles were found, but the makeup and activation of the myeloid white cells and T-cell activation was pro-inflammation with enhanced pro-inflammatory cytokine production for a month post-viral clearance. These changes could be seen in tissue isolated from individuals who recovered from COVID-19. These data highlight a molecular mechanism for persistent COVID-19 symptomatology and provide a small animal model to explore future therapeutics. Science, F-R-E-R-E et al., 2022. An animal model is not a human model, but at least a place to try and figure out pathways and therapeutics. Therefore, this study has a lot of value and interest moving forward. Number five. 
long COVID, 50% less likely from Omicron than Delta variant, according to new data from The Lancet. The disease remains 5 to 10% more common for women and is clustered around the age of 53. Antonelli, A-N-T-O-N-E-L-L-I et al. 2022. This is not surprising as I hypothetically believe that inflammation and immune characteristics are underlying the risk. Delta occurred in a more SARS-2-naive world and was more inflammation-promoting. 6. Sleep and fatigue remain a major problem for long COVID sufferers. Two-thirds of patients reported at least moderate fatigue, while one-fifth reported severe fatigue. Almost one in two reported at least moderate sleep disturbances. Obesity, mood disorders, and black race emerged as contributors to problems with sleep and fatigue after COVID. Black race was associated with a three-fold higher risk of moderate to severe sleep disturbances. Brooks et al. 2022. The race predilection remains an unknown as to why, according to the article. Number seven, long COVID in the microbiome. From the British medical journal Gut, gut microbiota composition at admission was associated with occurrence of post-acute COVID syndrome. Patients without PACS showed recovered gut microbiome profile at six months, comparable to that of the non-COVID-19 controls. Gut microbiome of patients with PACS were characterized by higher levels of Ruminococcus gnavis, Bacteroides vulgatus, and lower levels of Fecalterobacterium prosnitzi. Persistent respiratory symptoms were correlated with opportunistic gut pathogens and neuropsychiatric symptoms and fatigue were correlated with nosocomial gut pathogens, including Clostridium inoculum, Actinomyces nasalundi. Butyrate-producing bacteria, including Bifidobacterium and Facal bacterium showed the largest inverse correlation with PACS at six months. Liu et al. 2022, LIU. This is a lot of information, but it begins the process of identifying which bacteria associate with health from an infectious perspective. F. prosnitzi is associated with many positive outcomes when found in abundance. Low levels have been associated with inflammatory bowel diseases. We are a long way away from treatments with targeted bacteria. However, the time will tell us we aggregate more data. But the reality is we're starting to find out that certain bacteria, especially the butyrate-producing ones, are very protective. What drives them? Fiber. So, as always, when we talk about what's happening with inside the human frame, standard American processed, highly annoying, inflammatory foods are not the route to health with any disease, especially with COVID. Eight, other studies suggest why some people experience long-term smell loss. In January, a research team reported funding a, finding a genetic mutation in people that were associated with a greater propensity for smell or taste loss. The mutation, a change to a single letter or base of DNA, was found in two overlapping genes called UGT2A1 and 2A2. Both encode proteins that remove odor molecules from the nostrils after they have been detected. But it's not yet clear how SARS-CoV-2 interacts with these genes. Marshall M. 2022. Number nine, waking during the pandemic remains a problem to be dealt with. Statistics show five to 10 pound, up to 15 pounds of weight gain for a large swath of adults, depending on which study you look at. Wing et al. 2022 noted some of this data. 
Children had similar issues, and we saw this firsthand in our clinic. Sedentary behavior from a lack of school and work attendance drove a large percentage of weight increases in my mind. Couple this to an already problematic dietary problem in this country, especially in schools, and we have this outcome. Number 10. In an excellent article in Science, the authors lay out the current evolving science behind long COVID. There are three major theories in play. One, microclots that are blocking blood flow to important tissues. Two, persistent viral remnants causing the system to remain in the fight immunologically. Three, a dysregulated immune system that is in an inflammatory mode for months. The article in all of the information that's in it is worth your time to read. It comes from Cousin, C-O-U-Z-I-N, Frankel, hyphenated, F-A-R-A-N-K-E-L, 2022. That's all for the COVID information this week. Let's flip over into a little bit of other stuff. Section two, we look at social media remains a major health concern. For me, I think this piece has a lot of truth to it. It is quoted, and the whole piece can be found at a link in the newsletter from UHAS, Y-U-H-A-S 2022. But here's what it says. Quote, disrupted sleep lower life satisfaction, and poor self-esteem are just a few of the negative mental health consequences that research has linked to social media. Somehow, the same platforms that can help people feel more connected and knowledgeable also contribute to loneliness and disinformation. What succeeds and fails, computer scientists argue, is a function of how these platforms are designed. Amanda Baugen a graduate student specializing in human-computer interaction, a subfield of computer science at the University of Washington, believes that the interdisciplinary research could inform better social platforms and apps. At the 2022 Association for Computing Machinery Computer Human Interaction Conference on Human Factors and Computing Systems in May, she presented findings from a recent project that explored how social media triggers what psychologists call dissociation or a state of reduced self-reflection and narrowed attention. We very quickly lose ourselves on social media. When people encounter a platform where they can infinitely scroll for more information, it can trigger a similar neurocognitive reward system as anticipating a winning lottery ticket or getting food. It is a powerful way that these apps are designed to keep us checking and scrolling. The, quote, 30-minute ick factor, end quote, is when people mean to check their social media briefly, but then they find 30 minutes have passed. And when they realize how much time they spent, they have a sense of disgust and disappointment in themselves. Research has shown that people are dissatisfied with this habitual social media use. A lot of people frame it as meaningless, unproductive, or addictive. End quote. Again, you can read the whole piece by Juhas D. et al. at the link at the Salisbury Peter Associate newsletter. All right, that's all for this week. I hope that you enjoyed the information related to COVID as we look at long COVID a little bit more and future information as we see where things are going. The song of the week was Handful of Dreams by Coldplay. As always, hug those kids. Have a great day. Now for the disclaimer. The information provided in this newsletter audio cast is for educational and informational purposes only and is not suitable for advice and treatment provided by your physician or healthcare professional. It is not to be used to diagnose or treat a health issue. 
This newsletter does not constitute the development of a provider-patient relationship. Have a great day.